Welcome, everyone. Uh, it almost feels like welcome back. The last few weeks, we've actually had services on Zoom online. Um, so this is one of our first recorded, I think this is our first recorded service of the year. So we're very grateful that our family near, but our family far away gets this chance to worship God together. Um, so if you're able to watch this on Sunday morning, also want to invite you again to our 11 a.m. Zoom service, Eastern time. Um, so you can join us on that. Um, we'd love to hear some reflection on the service as a whole. Uh, a great blessing this is to be able to gather together, to be able to be gathered by the Spirit as we worship God together. Today we are starting a new series. Um, we're calling the series Remembrance, and we're actually going to break it up into two parts. So the first part will happen over the next six weeks, and we're going to be focusing on calls to remember in the Old Testament. Then we'll go through the season of Lent, and then we'll pick it up again and focus on calls to remember in the New Testament. Kind of the, the, I guess, the origin or the basis of this series uh, just came uh, towards the end of last year as I was thinking and praying about where God wanted to, to take us next. I just kept remembering to remember. Um, I don't know if it's because the new year was coming. I don't know if it's because the music or the songs or the shows or whatever I was watching. But it just seems to be this remembering to remember, call to remember, call to remember. And as I started going through my own personal scripture reading, I kept seeing time and time again where God was calling his people to remember remember. And I think that's very, very important because we're so quick to forget. And when I mean by forget, it's not something like lost keys. Like if you've been around me for more than an hour, I've lost my key before, right? So that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about how it's, it's easy sometimes for us to forget that, that God is here, that God is with us, that God loves us, that God is merciful, that God's promises are true. And the reason it's so easy and we're so quick to forget is because I think we're really, really good at looking at the now, looking at the present, looking at our situation, looking at our present situation, when instead God wants us to remember because as we look back, we'll be reminded of God's faithfulness. As we look up at God, we're accepting this invitation to not forget about our present situation, but to look up at God and to trust God. And so the call to remember comes time and time again in scripture from God to his people. And I think that call to remember is actually balanced with this idea of our God who wants to be known. God wants us to know who God is. And so if you remember in school, I don't know if it's elementary or middle school, but at some point you get introduced to, to, to these journalistic questions, right? The basic questions and, and this idea of who, what, when, why, where, and how. And, and so I was thinking about this God who wants to be known, this God who calls us to remember, and I, I just felt like it fit. So as we go through this series, we're going to use those basic questions and, and marry them with this call to remember. And as we go through week after week, we'll see God saying to us, his people, remember who I am. Remember what I have done. Remember when I have saved. Remember why I have saved. Remember where I have saved you. And remember how I saved you. So we're going to begin the very first one by remembering who I am. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. I'll be reading verses 1 to 15. Exodus 3, verses 1 to 15. Before we start, I just want to open a quick word of prayer. Our Father God, we thank you so much that you are indeed the God who is, the God who was, and the God who ever will be. We praise you that you're with us. 
We praise you that you carry us. We praise you that you love us. God, we thank you that even though we're very good at looking at our present, looking at our situation, looking at that present situation, you invite us to look back at your faithfulness, to look up at your love and mercy, and to trust you more and more. Lord, help us all this morning, this day, to remember who you are. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So our text again is Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord, Yahweh God, appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you all will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Or another translation says, I will be all that I will be. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you should call me from generation to generation. Now, when we remember, we oftentimes remember past experiences, past events, or, or past moments. In the family I grew up in, the events, the experiences, the moments all seem to, to find their way into stories. And we love stories. And, and as children growing up, you know, we'd love to, to not necessarily gather around because we weren't allowed in the adults' conversation. But we love to eavesdrop a little bit. And we just got to see our adults or the family members that we tell these stories about, again, their past experiences, events, and 
memories and moments together. And we love that. And I didn't realize I was becoming this because I, it's so much in my DNA. Um, years ago, when Chell and I were first married, we visited some of, of my family down in Virginia. And there was a bunch of us who had grown up together. And, and all we did was just sit around and, and tell these stories about us growing up together. And I realized that, you know, in my family, in my culture, we're very, very much a storytelling people. And that's what we passed down. So when we remember, it's about the events, the moments, and the experiences. But more than all of that, it's about the people. The people who you experience this life with. The people who you experience these moments with. The people who you're, you're at these events with. And it's about the impact those people have on you. You know, one of my, my childhood friends, you know, when we were, you know, I think it was about the time we were graduating high school. She, she kind of made the scrapbook and, and put it together. And, and one of my favorite quotes ever is in the scrapbook because it had a, a bunch of different things and people and friends who, who said a lot of nice things. It was great. The one quote I remember from that scrapbook is actually comes from, from a Counting Crows song, A Long December, right? And the line is, I can't remember all the times I tried to tell myself to hold on to these moments as they pass. And then that quote becomes like, kind of like etched in stone in my mind because it recounts my teenage years and, and all those friends I have. So it's not just a scrapbook, but I'm able to take not just the past experiences, events, and moments, but when I remember, I remember the people, so greater than our stories, our past experiences, our events, our moments, are, are the people who impact us that we share these moments, experiences, and events with. But I think when you get the scripture, you find that experiences, events, and moments are important, but not as important as actual encounters with God. And I think our story this, this day is Moses who interacts, yes, but he has this encounter with God of the universe. I think even though you can see the thread of God working and weaving through Moses' life, which we'll highlight in a little bit, Moses on, on, at Sinai, Moses with this burning bush encounter, really meets God for the first time. And what I love about this encounter with God is that Moses does not leave his encounter with God unchanged. His present reality is changed after encounter with God. His destiny, which God had laid out before time, before Moses was even born, where God had put the steps into place for this destiny to be fulfilled, the destiny is finally revealed after this encounter with God. And the thing I love about this story, especially reflecting on this week, is that oftentimes our encounters with God are unexpected to us, but they're always planned by God. Our encounters with God may surprise us or, or God may show up in places we don't really expect, like, like bushes that are burning that aren't quite burning. They may be unexpected to us, but they're always planned by God. And then there's Moses meeting God becomes foundational to what becomes God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, but it becomes foundational to God's plan for the world. And it becomes foundational to our understanding of who God is. Remember who I am. The passage is fairly straightforward. Moses is shepherding in the wilderness. 
Um, I, 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 he's 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 uh, now married. You know, he's married to to, and he's he's shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And and not only are they in the wilderness, but they end up on the side of Horeb. Horeb is called the mountain of God. And in other places, it shows up as Sinai. And, and there's some people who believe that the names are interchangeable. There's some people who believe it's a mountain range and it had two different peaks. And it was Horeb and Sinai. But nevertheless, the place that Moses is. God is already there. He just thinks he's up on his regular day-to-day shepherding in the wilderness. And when he looks up, he sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not quite burning. He sees the angel of God shows up. And and when Moses sees the bush that's burning, that's not quite burning, he's intrigued. And all he wants to do is to say, what is happening? What is happening that the bush is burning, but not really burning? So I'm going to go over there. And as Moses reaches the burning bush, God calls out to Moses and Moses answers. And God reminds Moses that, no, 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 you are now on solid ground. And you see this theme all throughout scripture where God invites us in. As we enter into God's presence, we are reminded of not only God's holiness, but the need for ourselves to to self-examine ourselves when we enter on to holy ground. And then I love that God introduces himself by identifying with Moses' own story. You know, when we are gifted names by our parents, that's only the beginning of our story. In fact, some of our names might tell more of our family history than we even realize. But, but telling our names and, and telling our story is a chance to introduce people to, to who we are. It's a chance to introduce people to, to say, hey, if I've never met you before, if you don't know who I am, this is who I am. And when God identifies himself to Moses, it is not just to say, this is who I am as God, but it's to say, Moses, I am the one who's been writing your story. Your great father, Abraham, I'm the one who called him. Isaac, his son of promise, I'm the one who blessed him with that son. Jacob, the father of your nation, I'm the one who was his God as well. So God introduces himself to Moses by saying, Moses, your story, I'm the one writing your story. And then God proceeds to inform Moses that I've seen the suffering of my people. I've heard their cries for help. This reminder that our God is not off in heaven detached from us, but that as we suffer, our God is in the suffering with us. As we cry out, our God stoops his ear to hear our cries. And as we pray and rely on him, our God intervenes on our behalf. And that's what God promises here, that you are not alone, that I am with you. But I'm going to intervene on behalf of my suffering people. And I'm going to promise them a better tomorrow. So God calls Moses to go. God calls Moses to go and end the oppression of his people. God calls Moses to go and set the people free. One of the things I love the most about our God is that he's all powerful God is the God of the universe. God is the God of all things. But yet God wants to partner with us to do God's work in this world. So you would think that Moses' reaction would be like, this is amazing. The God who's the God of everything. The God who's the God of my fathers and and mothers. The God who's the God of all that I am wants me to do the work. 
But Moses actually has a, a pretty natural reaction, I think. God calls Moses to go, and Moses' reaction is like, who, me? And God is like, yes, you. And Moses is like, it couldn't be. And Moses wants God to say, then who, right? Because that's how the song goes. But instead, God is like, it couldn't be. No, 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 no. Yes, you. And Moses wants to be like, well, but who? And God is like, no, 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 no. It's still you. When we see suffering, when we see pain, when we see oppression, when we see the world that's not as it should be, God's answer to Moses is the same answer to us. We want to say, God, what are you doing? And God is going to say, I see their suffering. I'm with them in their suffering. I'm hearing their cries. But I'm calling you to go and end the oppression, to go and end the suffering, to partner with me to bring that better tomorrow. But all of us want to say, like, it couldn't be. Then who? But God says to Moses and to us, no, 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 no. It's you. I have chosen you. And then God promises not only better tomorrows, but he promises to be with Moses. We just came through the Advent season where we celebrated Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. But one of the beauties of Jesus is that there's nothing Jesus does and there's nothing that Jesus promises that the Father doesn't do or promise in the Old Testament already. So before we learn that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God promises to be what with Moses? To be with him. And then God says, after you come out of Egypt, I'll bring you back to this mountain and I'll give a sign before all the people that I am their God because I want to invite them to remember that I am with you all. You think after all that, Moses would be like, this is amazing, let's go. But instead... Moses is like, okay, I got this. You know, the God of your fathers, you're sending me. Um, but can I have your name? You know, because they're just going to look at me as Moses. Like, what's your name? And God gives this mythical, <laughs> this, this mysterious, but also this beautiful response that we're going to dwell on a little bit today. Moses says, I can tell them the God of your fathers is sending me, but, but I don't even know your name. And God says, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. I am your God, Moses. My name is forever. My name will go from generation to generation. My name shall be praised. In this passage, we're invited to remember who I am because God gives his name to Moses. Because when we tell people our name, it's because we want to be known by them and we want them to know who we are. You know, in the Hebrew, God identifies us as Echia. And Echia is, is this essence of I am that I am. Or some translation says, I will be who I will be. In essence, God says, what is my name? I am the one who is. I am the one who was. I am the one who forever will be. Who am I, Moses? I'm the one whose existence does not depend on anyone. I'm the one who's the God of all that you see, all that you'll know. I'm the one who was. I'm the one who is. I'm the one who forever will be. And God 
in fleshing this out to Moses, starting in verse 12, starts to teach us through Moses and his people that whatever I show myself to be, I will be fully that. I will be consistently that. I will be reliably that. So when I show myself to be merciful, it's because I am perfectly merciful. If I show myself to be gracious, it's because I am perfectly gracious. If I show myself to be the God of justice, it's because I am perfectly just. And if I show myself to be the God of love, it's because I am perfectly love. And I think that's one of the biggest contrasts because between us and God, isn't it? Because God is 100% all that God is. A.W. Tozer talks about this. You know, the greatness of God is that he is perfect in all his ways and all that he is. In contrast, we are only sometimes all that we are. We'd love to think that we're perfectly merciful and perfectly gracious and perfectly justice-oriented and perfectly love until we have roommates or until we get married or until we have friends who we're vulnerable with who see the other sides of us. To be human is to not be perfect. But God, in introducing himself to Moses, says, I am the perfect one. I am Perfect mercy, perfect grace, perfect love. And there's this deep contrast to us who try to be merciful, but can't be perfectly mercy, can't be perfectly compassion, grace, and love. So Moses then says, okay, that sounds great, you know. I am, you're the God of my fathers, you know, you forever will be. But I can't really go in front of the people and say, I am sent you. He could have, but he didn't feel like he could. So Moses gives him this version that says, fine, if you're not going to use my name, I am, because you can't, you're another person. Just tell them he is, he will be, he forever is. And the Hebrew there is actually Yah, and that's what we get from Echia to Yahweh. So instead of I am, we're saying he is. So go and tell my people that he is will be with them, that he was will be with them, that he forever will be will be with them. Go and tell my people that the ones who perfectly love them will be with them. That the one who's perfectly gracious will be with them. That the one who's perfectly forgiving will be with them. And this word Yahweh becomes the personal name of God for his early people. And I think it appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. God gives his name to his people to be known and it's what they hold on to. We think about who I am. When we ask to remember who I am, the lesson for us is simply this. God was, God is, and God forever will be. You see, God was before Moses even was. Before there was a Moses, God was. Before Moses comes onto the scene, Israel had grown to be mighty in number, but as their numbers grew, they fell into oppression under a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. And, and, and as that number grew, the Pharaoh and his advisors feared that Israel, if, if Egypt was ever attacked, that Israel could just join the enemies and overpower Egypt. So their reaction was to not only oppress, but to enslave Egypt. And their reaction was to actually curb the number 
by, by asking to kill Israelite boys. And before Moses was, God was working. And he had these Hebrew midwives that, and in the Bible were named Shepra and Pua who, who were tasked with delivering these Hebrew babies. And even though the law of the land asked them to do this terrible thing, they chose the law of God. And they were faithful to not kill these Hebrew babies. And won't you know that one of these Hebrew babies grew up to be Moses? Don't you know that when they, when they started getting advice to throw the babies into the river, that one of these Hebrew babies ended up to be Jacobed's son, Miriam's brother, a child who would grow up a prince of Egypt. Before Moses was, God was. So the challenge to all of us this week is to think about how before we were, God was. You know, what's a family story that you've heard about how God was faithful to your family even before you ever showed up? You know, I think you can just think about it practically. All of us are here and it's a miracle, whether you look at that scientifically or through all the stuff we've been through. But God has had to be faithful to generations upon generations upon generations before we ever got to you. Before we were, God was. How has God been faithful to your family before you ever were? But God is not just the God who was. He's the God who is. Before her, Moses is, God is, and God is Emmanuel too. Because after Moses is born, he grows up to be a prince of Egypt. He grows up in power and privilege. He grows up with a Hebrew mother who helps rear him and tells him the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God's faithfulness. But he grows up also seeing his people oppressed. And then one day, he actually rises up and, and strikes one of the oppressors and kills someone. So this prince of Egypt, this learned man of privilege, becomes a murderer and an outlaw. And as our story begins, he's a shepherd. Away from all that he knew, thinking that God has forgotten about him. But yet God shows up in the wilderness. The reminder to us that God shows up in our suffering. That God shows up and is faithful and is with us through everything that we go through. That God hears us. That God intervenes. So God was before Moses was. God is before Moses is. And God will be after Moses has been. Thousands of years later now, we can look back and see all the ways that Moses was perfectly designed and created for this task. Who could go before Pharaoh but the Israelite who grew up in Pharaoh's palace? Who can go before the people of Israel but the prophet that God chose to go before the people of Israel? Who could lead the people out of oppression except the one who knew both the privilege and the power but also the oppression that both his people felt and experienced? And it's this reminder to us that God designs each of us and calls all of us uniquely to do our work, to do his work. How have you been chosen to do God's work? 
What is in your story that God has redeemed that can now help do God's kingdom work? And the beauty of this kingdom work is that it goes on after we have gone on. You know, I read this week about an artist who had this vision for this beautiful masterpiece. And, and, and before the masterpiece could be finished, the artist passed away. But the artist did a lot of the foundational work that some other artists came, you know, decades later, found his foundational work and added on to it and added on to it. And the final masterpiece was created, you know, decades after the artist died. And it sounds a little bit morbid. I think there's a little beauty in there. And the beauty is the reminder to all of us that God will be. That what we do may seem futile now, but God can make it foundational. That the little bit you're doing now, God will not only bless it, but maybe someone else will come and grow it some more and some more and some more. And the masterpiece will be there. So how are you faithful to your story, to your design, to your calling? Because God will be even when you're gone. This week, I want to give us four things to do as we we think about remembering who I am. When we remember, it's often fun to recall. It's fun to maybe emphasize or or to, to hold on to a memory, to commemorate and celebrate. But what I want you to do this week is I want you to pray. And maybe you've already thought about it, but I want you to pray for one thing to share about how God has been faithful to you. And and preferably to make a little bit of a challenge before you were even born. What is the story you can ask your parents or your siblings uh, of how God has been faithful before you ever came to be? How God was before you was. (laughs) The second one I want you to do is, I want you to know that God is with you now. The people of Israel had had 400 years of slavery. They had all this suffering, all their prayers that seemed unheard, all their oppression that seemed ignored. Yet God, when he shows up to Moses, says, I am with you in your suffering. I have heard all your cries. I'm coming to intervene on your behalf. So I want you to know that no matter what struggle you're facing, no matter how hard the world seems, no matter how dark the days have become, no matter how hard the depression feels and how overwhelming all of life feels, I want you to remember and know that God is with you now. And I want you to give thanks for that because God is not the God who leaves you. He's the God who will never forsake you. Remember, pray And give thanks for how God has been faithful in the past. Know that God is with you now. And then lastly, I want you to expect, expect, rely on, trust that God will be with you in the future. Because we serve a God who will be. We serve a God who fulfills promises. We serve a God who is a way maker. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.